Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and our alumni have an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, and welcome to All in a Day's Work. My name is Ben Barzilai, and today we're doing something kind of different. Not too long ago, we took to our Instagram story at NYU Wasserman and asked our listeners what kind of career advice they wanted to hear about on our show the most. The overwhelming majority of you said that you wanted to learn more about how to interview. So we asked some of our past guests to come back on the show and talk a little bit about their advice for how job applicants can make the most out of their interviews. These guests are Ron Rapitalo, a career coach and associate partner at Agility Consulting, Emmanuel Moses, associate director of college guidance and transition at the Opportunity Network, and Echo Ma, who works in compensation design at Google. We started by asking them what it was like for them to interview for their current companies. This is Echo talking about her experience with Google. Yeah, um, I would say nothing too surprising if you're familiar with kind of typical interview best practices. In the process, there was a lot of attention to answering my questions, actually. And my hiring manager at the time really took great care to make themselves available even after the interview via email. So that made a really that left a really good impression for me. I had the opportunity to actually meet someone who's on a partner team and have a casual lunch with a team member that's not an interviewer. So that really helped me get that realistic impression of the role that I'll be taking on. Emmanuel Moses, who offers college guidance at Opportunity Network, had a slightly less traditional path and talked about what to do if you get rejected after an interview. So in New York City, you have a plethora of, of organizations that do this work. And I had fortunately also volunteered for Opportunity Network. So fortunately, because I had made connections beforehand with this institution or organization, they knew of me. And real talk, I had applied before I got to the College Advising Corps at Opportunity Network and got rejected. So do not let a rejection stop you from thinking it's the end. Because if and when you get rejected from a job, one thing that nobody ever knows, please reach back out and say, hey, I'd love to have a conversation about what led to your decision and what I could do better or always keep in touch. But then when I came to to interview for now this new position that I was like, okay, I'm happy. I'll be running a program. It was very sort of nerve wracking, but also felt comfortably like, all right, I don't know this, but I was open about that, but also talked about what my other strengths were that allowed me to either pick it up really fast but also, fortunately, at Opportunity Network, rely on the importance of my connections and the importance of meeting the needs of a student first. So again, being honest, being nervous, but also being upfront and just finding other things that I think make me made me a strong candidate. Interestingly enough, Ron also credits the importance of networking to how he was able to get an interview for agility, but also talked about how important preparation is for people who don't have that kind of network. You know, it was interesting because I, so here's the asterisk, right? I wasn't a cold candidate. You know, um, I knew the organization. I was already consulting for them. 
But if I, if, if that wasn't the case, right, you know, when I've gone through the interview experience, right, you know, when I think of something I didn't talk about, I talked about the technical, but the mental aspect, the confidence aspect matters. Preparation helps you be more confident. If, the, if it's just Zoom, like approximating some of the conditions, I like being in front of people, but making sure I'm having good lighting, getting on the Zoom 10 minutes before, making sure I have my water bottle near me, like somewhere for me to take notes. There's all these small little things, relooking the job description an hour before, you know, going through my prep notes and all these things, right? The best interviewers are the most prepared. That's just fact. That led us to ask our other guests how they like to prepare for an interview. And Echo Ma had some fundamental but very helpful advice on how to start preparing. I would say it's actually pretty straightforward. I go over my resume again. Hopefully I would remember everything from my resume because I did did everything, but I would go over it again just to make sure I'm very familiar with all the items. I go over any other application materials I'm, I may have submitted so that I know what the employer saw of me and also the job description just to confirm what role I'm applying to and really put myself in those shoes. Emmanuel emphasized the importance of doing research ahead of your interview. I think first and foremost, it would be doing research on not only the institution or organization or fellowship or PD opportunity that I'm applying for, but also maybe if I can, and this is not stalkery, this is do a a little bit of a dive for LinkedIn to who I might be interviewing with. Um, because all interviews are great about your qualities, but it's also a way of really interviewing and, and holding up a mirror and accountable to people that you're going to be working with or partnering with or spending time with, whether that's in for a job, for a college, or even informational interviews as they're trying to navigate what it is that they want to do in life and, and maybe look for that job. Emmanuel brings up a great point there, which is that obviously interviews are a great opportunity for an organization to learn more about you, but they're also an opportunity for you to learn more about the organization. So we asked our guests, what should people go in trying to learn about where they're applying to and what questions should they prepare for the interview? Oh, that's 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 the thing that a lot of people aren't told, the the flip side of it. But it's important to to understand your value and also understand what works for you. So I think anything as simple as what the typical workday is like, but also, and this is harder, not only for students who identify as BIPOC, but anybody coming to college, talk about pay, be comfortable about that. Talk about benefits, work-life balance, because trust me, that is something that is going to be just as important as whatever your title is or, or whatever other benefits or even just the prestige of where you're interviewing for. Echo Ma stressed the importance of asking questions in a way that'll get the answers you're actually looking for. I like to ask for personal answers from the interviewer so that I don't get a canned response. So I do like to ask things about like, what is your favorite or and least favorite thing about working here? So basically something that wouldn't really happen anywhere else that's like so unique to who your team is. And I tend to remember those stories more vividly than I would a more generic answer. Ron gave specific advice about not just what to ask, but what to demand. I think candidates, when they're being very diligent about the process, are coming up with their three to five non-negotiables and what they're looking for in the organization and the role. You don't ask for less. You don't ask for more because it'd be very easy to get disappointed or not have enough time in a process to get through all your non-negotiables, right? 
I found three to five is the sweet spot. And so if you have your non-negotiables, for example, that your hiring manager believes in your growth and development and has had a track record or experience growing, developing others, maybe one of the questions you ask, right, especially if you get to a point of the process, ideally, where you're interviewing with a hiring manager, tell me a little bit of how you've grown and developed your employees and, you know, how many of them have you retained? What has their growth and development been like? And what would you attribute to your success to how they've grown and developed? It helps a candidate understand, like, how could it feel to be in the role if they're in it? So it's as much important for the candidate to ask the right question so that if they got an offer, it feels like the right match. And now a word from Sarah Rosenthal, manager of the experiential learning programs at the Wasserman Center. Interviews can be a great opportunity to tell an employer more about your qualifications, but it can also be nerve-wracking, especially if you're excited about the position. This is why it's so important to practice some of the basics of interviewing before you even get an interview request. There are lots of different types of interview questions you'll come across, but most interviews will include some kind of behavioral interview question. These are the questions that typically start with, tell me about a time or discuss a scenario where. In these questions, employers want to hear real life examples of how you managed a similar situation in order to gauge if you'll be a good fit for the position and organizational culture. Using the STAR method is a great way to approach these questions. STAR stands for Situation, Task, Action, Result. It allows you to break down your answer in a way that clearly summarizes how you managed the situation in the past and what you learned from the experience or how you successfully navigated a challenging situation. In certain industries, you may come across other types of questions, such as case or technical interview questions. These questions are included in the interview as a way for the employer to assess a specific skill set, such as your familiarity with business concepts or coding languages. For these types of interviews, you'll want to make sure you're practicing with people who can give you specific feedback, such as classmates, peers, mentors, colleagues, or even supervisors. No matter what type of position you're applying for, Practice is key for success in the interview. The NYU Wasserman Center offers access to platforms like Big Interview, where you can practice answers to behavioral questions, as well as Case Coach, an online case interview prep platform. Regardless of how you practice, make sure that you do it and do it often. Good luck. We wanted our guests' advice on how to best prepare to answer different interview questions. But not all interview questions are created equal. So we started by asking them, what are your least favorite questions you've been asked in an interview? Oh, I would have to say my least favorite is probably the what is your biggest weakness question. <laughs> it seems it seems like a trick question because I, I never want to potentially impact my eligibility for the role. But at the same time, I know that they are looking for an authentic answer. And I'm thinking like interviewers have seen enough to know when you're coming up with like a generic answer that you got off the internet. How I approach this question is I either talk about something that I am developing. So potentially, for instance, right now I'm trying to be more assertive, have a bigger presence, or um, I kind of think of traits that can be double-edged swords. So sometimes I also go with, you know, I am very purpose-driven, but 
in times when, for instance, like I don't think I'm doing the right thing necessarily, then I'll be very easily demotivated. Ron from Agility gave another common answer. My least favorite question I've been asked or I've seen in the interview space that like drives me nuts is like, um, where do you see yourself five years from now? Interviewers are asked that question because they might want to believe, hey, if I ask that question, they have a clear idea what they want to do next. Maybe they'll stay here for five years. You know what makes someone stay for three to five years in an organization? Having growth and development opportunities and a really good manager. Not where they're going to be five years from now. And Ron isn't the only one who hates this question. Emmanuel from Opportunity Network gave a similar answer. Um, I'll be honest, it is very hard for me to th- be forward thinking. I'm always an individual who is like, all right, what's the job? What do you need me to do? But there are conversations and questions about like, all right, where do you see yourself in five years or what do you hope to grow for? And I think that's that's hard for me. And I think it's also probably hard for anybody coming straight out of undergrad to think about that. And I think what I would tell my past self and you is like, it's okay not to know. I have previously given out false answers, and I think probably people realize, nah, he's not really genuine about that. I think for those questions that you dread, be honest. If you don't have an answer and you don't feel that you're going to be able to give a good answer, ask for a moment. Say, can I please take a little bit of time? Don't feel that you have to always fill up space, which is something that I do. I tend to ramble on for those listeners who hear me ramble, but take your time. Don't necessarily feel that you have to have an answer right away especially if it's something that either comes out of left field or that you know yourself that you haven't even really thought about. Ron had similar advice for what to do in an interview when you're faced with a question you're not wholly prepared for. I think a lot of times the bias is people expect someone to be able to know off the dome how they're going to respond to something. That's just not reality. And I think that could be a false negative on someone's ability to do a job. Now, if the job is you have to think well on your feet, well, yeah, an interview can be a proxy for that because I have to think off the, off the top of my feet. But if you're asking someone to do strategy, maybe the person the strategy well is the kind of person who wants to be very methodical and takes their time. And in an interview process, or maybe someone who's very introverted, it doesn't come across as well. Tips I've given people on how to handle a question you're not prepared to answer. One, repeat the question back. Gives you some time to think. I kid you not. So you asked me a question on how I would handle getting a question answered I wasn't prepared for. Might even count like this. You know what? Can you give me 15, 20 seconds for me to just write down some of my thoughts before I answer your question? There shouldn't be a difference between someone responding immediately and someone responding 30 seconds later. The God's honest truth is someone is going to bias you for that. It's not where you want to work anyway. It's <laughs> my God's honest opinion. Like, unless it's like you're in wartime and you're about to get shot, the difference between five and 30 seconds is zero. There's no difference. Preparing for moments like these in an interview can be especially intimidating when you're a candidate who's entering a new career path. This applies to people who are just graduating from NYU and entering the workforce. It also applies to those who have recently decided to change career paths and are starting something new. So we asked our guests, how can candidates like these convince their hiring manager that they have the transferable skills necessary to take on this new role? That is the realest thing that is is out there for anyone. Um, so before I even give any advice, it's going to suck. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get a lot of no callbacks. Be prepared for it, but also understand it's not always a reflection of you. Because, again, I tend to dance around these questions, but I do think sometimes it's 
it's just maybe even the people who aren't reaching back and giving you any feedback, it's, it's on them. But assuming your hiring manager is open-minded, how can you frame your answer in a way that shows what you can bring to this job as a newcomer to the field? Really think about the tasks and responsibilities that the role is asking for, and then kind of imagine yourself doing them. And as you're thinking through that or imagining seeing that in your head, like hone in on what skills are enabling you to complete that task. You know you can do it, but how are you doing it? And then going one step back again, kind of retracing your steps from actually doing the job, like where did you gain these skills? And then structuring your responses around these. One thing I do like to do in an interview, especially if my skill wasn't gained in the same context as what the interviewer might be asking for or what the job entails, I would recommend after talking through your story, your example about your transferable skill, kind of making that connection for your interviewer and concluding your response by connecting that skill back to the role and how that skill would look like in the current role you're applying for. Because, you know, inter- there are a variety of interviewers and a part of it is just making their lives easier. Ron brought this question back to the issue of research and preparation. I think my general answer for that is you got to just have prepared and rehearse that answer. For me, transferable skills... And I would put recent grad as different than career changer, right? Because career changer has experience. The recent grad may have internship experience. Better if they have internship experience, right? Because they can translate, you know, technical skills they may have gotten from internship, other work experiences to what the role is looking for. But I think then for career changer, right? Some of it is understanding I, these are the things I'm good at. Let me read the job description qualifications. Oh, they're looking for someone who's done strategic planning. Well, I've done that, but just in a different context. And so maybe they can explain the example from it, right? Because I think if, 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 if an employer is really looking for someone that doesn't have sector experience, then the transferable skills will come into play. And then Emmanuel said something that I think will be really helpful for upcoming grads. I think it's, it's this idea of talking about how you work as a team um, and how you are able to problem solve, but not just saying that, backing it up with evidence. Now, yes, listeners may be like, but I haven't done anything. There's always something that you have done, whether it is an internship, a volunteer opportunity, something that you've done at a club level. So being able to talk about how I am able to demonstrate this applicable and transferable and important skill across whatever career, whatever profession, and provide evidence. I think Emmanuel's advice there is pretty potent and a nice note to end this episode on. Remember, no matter how nervous you are for an interview or how new you are to a field or unqualified you might convince yourself you are for a job, there is some experience, whether at a job, at NYU, or in your personal life, that you enter an interview having already had. Don't be afraid to talk about it as evidence that you are of value to wherever it is that your career might take you. To everyone about to enter this interview process, we wish you good luck. And remember, the Wasserman Center is here to help. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by me, Ben Barzilai, with episode guests Emmanuel Moses, Ron Rapitalo, and Echo Ma. We're produced by Sarah Rosenthal and Ben Barzilai, edited by Ben Barzilai, and created with support from Emily Anderson, Danielle Crystal, Haley Garofalo, and Joseph Mercadante. 
That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.